What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath, and it's going down. We're having a collector conversation, unlocking a brand new character. I have Caitlin at Cold Lunch Cards on the damn program today talking about Caitlin. Yes, Caitlin Clark. We are getting into the Caitlin Clark madness of it all. I'm infatuated by everything that she's doing. Tournament time is around the corner. She might be coming to Indiana. She's got cards too, and they're selling really well. I wanted to talk with Caitlin about Caitlin Clark, how we should be thinking about her, her collectability, and what is the future for her. If you like what I'm doing and you want to hear more exclusive content, I guess hear, see, or read. I'm doing it all. Patreon group. Link is in the show notes. I'm going hard and putting content out all the time, right? We added another show on the main feed. If you want even more, it's in the group. We're going at it. There's a community, a chat, all those things. But before you click in and you go sign up for that, make sure you sit back, relax, and listen to this conversation. You're going to enjoy it. Okay, so mention this in the opening. Uh, we've got a new character unlocked here, Caitlin at Cold Lunch Cards. We're going to be talking about Caitlin Clark. This is a, I feel like, very topical, timely episode based on uh, her just absurd college collegiate career and her just breaking the record. So um, we're going to get into it. Caitlin, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you for having me, Brett. I'm doing well. How are you? I cannot complain. I have to ask out of the gates. I've been waiting to actually ask you just like, uh, we're, we're not, I mean, face to face digitally, but like, you got to give me some background on your Instagram handle, cold lunch cards. <laughs> this is a good question. Everybody always asks me about my handle. I wish, I wish I had a better story. Basically, uh, everybody at card shows always has these fancy cases, usually like briefcase Zion, you know? All that kind of stuff. And I didn't really, I wasn't too into that. So I outfitted my Carhartt lunchbox and bought some custom uh, containers from the container store and called it good. And so that's where cold lunch cards comes from is just a little lunchbox I carry around to shows. I think that's, I'm now like, I think even highly, more highly <laughs> of that. I thought it might be like, uh, I was visualizing some like, childhood nickname or something like that, something tied in. But the way you have brought that to your uh, brand is um, very memorable. And hopefully everybody who's had that same question, who's stumbled across your account on Instagram now has that answered. So we've got the hardest part of the conversation. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, so uh, we're going to talk about Caitlin Clark, but I like to just talk, learn a little bit more about uh, when new collectors are on, um, what you collect, I, I know you from just our interactions as being a big Packers fan. You're repping your team as we uh, have this conversation. So maybe just talk a little bit about your collecting. I know you've got some interesting other collections within there. So the floor is yours. Let's just get educated on cold lunch cards. Awesome. Yeah, let's start with the Packers. That's That's like the easy route to start with. So I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, which means that the Green Bay Packers runs in my blood. It was passed down through my family. 
grew up about five to 10 minutes away from Lambeau Field. So it's been kind of like a religious experience watching them grow up. I started really young with Favre as my quarterback. And then Rodgers had a couple tough quarterbacks in there that nobody likes to talk about, like Brett Hundley, but we won't talk about that. Uh, and now Jordan Love. So uh, it's been a great uh, football culture to grow up with. And that's really what inspired, uh, you know, sports card collecting at a young age is the nature of the community that I was brought up in, which at the foundation of that was my dad, who was a football coach growing up and an athletic director. So he really inspired that, first of all. And second, the funny story, the funny part of collecting is uh, when I was a kid, I'd go to the dentist and my dentist uh, was loved sports and loved cards, apparently. And every time you didn't have a cavity, you got a pack of hand curated football or basketball cards. So that that fueled the addiction from a really young age. Um, so that was kind of the start, which started with Packers, just like 25 cent cards, um, you know, like 2008 tops, not tops chrome. That was too expensive. Just 2008 tops was a big, a big year for me. And obviously the Packers were the number one uh, thing in my collection. But as I kind of progressed and matured as a collector, uh, it, the year I think was 2017, which we all know as Patrick Mahomes were here. I was working in a grocery store that was next to a Target. And on a couple of my breaks, I'd go over to Target and buy packs of 2017 Prism, which happened to be super lucky with uh, the timing of that and just kept buying them. And I, I hit one Patrick Mahomes that I remember and kept still in the collection. Um, but the, that was kind of like where it started to snowball for me. And then in college, it just, I just took off. And in the past year, I've been collecting like crazy. So the Packers are obviously my main team PC. And then I also collect Anthony Bourdain, who people probably know as a chef and a, and a writer. And he's really my main pillar that I, that I collect. So I want to ask some questions about Anthony Bourdain, but maybe like this team collecting topic uh, with a team with such a rich history, like the Packers who, if I'm evaluating team collecting communities within our space, I would say the Packer, like it is very daily. I'll just see new Packers cards because there's so many team collectors out there. How do you shrink the sea of Packers in your own collection? Do you, or how do you collect? I attempt. I'll tell you that I try. It's difficult, but I try to boil it down to players that I really feel like one have that history that embodies the city of Green Bay. So you got to be a you got to be a packer. You can't be something that's bouncing around teams. There's nothing wrong with that. Journeymen are cool, but for me, when I look at my Packers PC, I want to look at people that reflect the city that I grew up in, reflect the team I grew up with. So that that's really consists of people like Brett Favre. You know, he was the Packer, the man. Donald Driver, who grew up, he was. Uh, he lived a couple blocks away from me growing up. So, you know, trick-or-treating at Donald Driver's house is a core memory. So he's probably like the biggest one. Then we got people like my new favorite active player. The only active player I think I collect is Jair Alexander, who I think best cornerback in the league. We can have a debate about it later, but he's my guy. I just love the trash talking. I love that he's an elite player with a big city feel that loves the city of Green Bay. And then obviously Aaron Rodgers, he's awesome. He's moved on to a different team, but 
I'll just ignore that and not collect his Jets cards. And then uh, the craziest story is that Jordan Love, as soon as I moved out for college and moved to Minnesota, Jordan Love moved in next to my parents down the street. So uh, I like to say, you know, I always see saw Jordan Love like taking his mail or he didn't shovel his own his own driveway, but saw him outside once in a while. So I try to pick up his cheap stuff, but it's been uh, difficult now that he's, you know, the next Hall of Famer in line. Of, co- na- of course, <laughs> naturally. So I, I literally was just looking at like player indexes and card ladder and like Jordan Love was like out of all the quarterbacks I evaluated was he was up like 40% when everyone else is going down because – you know, he's, of course, he's, hit, he's hitting at the right time. And <laughs> you Packers fans just continue to get good quarterbacks. So I, I, I don't want to hear any Packers fans complain about anything because you have oh, the two constant- month rebuild. The two month rebuild was the longest <laughs> two months of my life this past year. <laughs> 100%. Um, so, all right. So, like, shift, shifting really quick before we yeah. get into Caitlin Clark talking about Anthony Bourdain, like, Obviously, um, a cultural icon and um, just a you know a jack of all trades. I would say, like very talented human being. Um, maybe sh- I'd love to learn. I've never heard anyone else collect Bourdain, so maybe like, what is your inspiration there? And also, like, what is his card catalog even? Oh, this is a big question. I'll try to keep it concise, but Bourdain. When I grew up, um, my dad watched the news a lot. My family watched the news. We're just a local news person um, or local news family. And after the news, it was Anthony Bourdain time. So uh, that would be Parts Unknown or No Reservations or one of his series. And I remember my dad and sometimes my mom would sit down too. And it was like literally like going to class, like sit down, watch Anthony Bourdain, learn something about a different place in the world, learn something about food, about politics, about culture, and really just like digest something that you haven't before. And Bourdain, you know, he went to different parts of the world. He ate all sorts of food. He met all sorts of people. And um, I distinctly remember the Vietnam episode, which was when he met President Obama in Vietnam. And it was just like an iconic moment in TV history. And um, I don't know, after reading some of Bourdain's works, so he, he wrote in his first piece of work was in April 19th, 1999, New Yorker edition, which I'm still on the hunt for if you see any. But, uh, you know, after reading that, after reading some of his books, after learning about his life, which I followed while he was still alive, he just spoke to me in a way that no other celebrity, so to say, did because of his experiences. So I've just kind of been, you know, using him as a tool to collect and using his cards as a way to like carry on his legacy and just tell stories that he told. And hopefully I can tell in just like a fraction of the way that he did because he was the ultimate storyteller. If you have read or watched any of his work. That's inc- I love I love learning about the reason why and the background for why collectors collect certain things. So my continued exposure to him and his work for me mm-hmm. is when I'm like trying to like turn my brain off and I'll I'll jump on TikTok and like scroll and be like sucked into like some old TikTok video of him. And I'm always it's like one of those things I'll just like watch I'll just like watch the whole thing because 
the topic and what he's talking about is always something like you described, like something I'm trying to learn about or super fascinated, fascinated in or interested in. So that's amazing. I'm curious, like back to like the card component, mm-hmm. what are his card? Like, where do you even start? What, what kind of stuff are you picking up? Yeah. So he has two main like licensed quote unquote products, which are one, which is one from, uh, garbage pill kids, which isn't as desired. You know, it's cool to, it's cool. It just wasn't my era of collecting. I do have, you know, the two flagship from that product, but that's pretty much the extent of garbage pill kids. But his big set is 2014 tops Allen Ginner, which Allen Ginner by far my favorite set of all time, probably because of Anthony Bourdain, but its significance in the hobby is so underrated. Mm. And um, just so incredible, the artwork, the stories on the backs of the cards. I think we forget about that a lot in collecting is that, you know, people put time into that and write those pieces on the back. And so Alan and Ginner, like, you know, if for people that are unfamiliar, is mainly a baseball product, but then they insert celebrities, personalities, musicians, whatever you want to call them. And Bourdain debuted in Top Town and Ginner in 2014, meaning that he has base cards mini cards that Alan Ginner are known for. And then obviously the Holy Grails, the autographs. Um, and I'm fortunate enough this past December to have uh, acquired, in my opinion, the greatest Anthony Bourdain card of all time, which is his red ink auto uh, hand numbered to 10. And I guess as a little stacking slabs announcement, um, I did grade that card the past I think it was two weekends ago at Burbank. I sent it with a friend and it did gem and get a ton, making it pop one in a PSA, pop one in 10. There's no 10s in any other company um, making it, you know, I'm trying to say it in a humble way, but probably the best. You don't have to be humble. <laughs> so yeah, that's exciting. Two follow-ups. How did you get this card? And then also what was going on in your brain when you found out that it gemmed like let us inside on that yeah so i found it on ebay because i religiously check that save search every morning and every night literally like clockwork and one morning i found one and it popped up and it was at like i'll I'll tell you the price the price was at like seven thousand or best offer (laughs) and i was like debating immediately i was like do i buy it right now like this moment whatever whatever um i messaged the guy uh he's like you know i'm open to making it off or open to offers or deals of some kind and i hit him with the this is my instagram you know maybe we could <laughs> maybe we could move this off to ebay <laughs> and he follows me and he has zero like zero followers like maybe three and i'm like oh god this is concerning this is scary uh turns out um he ended up liking a couple of cards in my collection that were vintage cards. I had a 1933 Jim Thorpe as well as what else did I trade him? A Jim Brown 1958 Topps rookie. Both in pretty good condition. You know, they're old cards, so they weren't like great grades or anything. But I ended up making him an offer that included those two cards and some cash on top. And, uh, was really scared of sending those cards without any sort of protection or anything. So he actually, like, he's the, I am going to recommend him forever, his eBay store. But um, he 
went to the bank and he got it not- a contract notarized by the bank to say, you know, if something happens, you know, blah, blah, blah. Here's my driver's license, all that. We overnight the cards to each other and the board in shows up. It's fully real. And uh, yeah, I've been holding on to it since I think December 12th and then decided to get it graded at Burbank. And my friend FaceTimed me when uh, the grade came and I was, I was in shock. I'm still a little bit in shock. I haven't shared it anywhere because of that, just because of how insane it is to me. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. You know, I got a couple cash wire transfer offers at Burbank themselves or at wow. the show and, uh, had golden approach about the card. And I, I haven't made a decision yet on what I want to do, but it's by far the most expensive and valuable card I've ever touched in my life. Oh man, that's, <laughs> that's so good. I love the story. Please like at some point, whatever you decide, right? It's your card, but everyone go follow Caitlin at cold lunch cards. The way you curate your IG is awesome. So I need to see a post. Oh, it'll be there. The- okay. It'll be there. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we, that's a pretty good tune-up so far. So why don't we talk about the main event here? And let's start with Caitlin Clark. I might have put this in the group chat or whatever. I don't know. But my I was literally, like, had a note on my calendar. was like, watch the game tonight. And I got caught up with kids. And my dad, like, sent a text. He's like, hey, by the way, like, Caitlin Clark is going to break the record. She's on in, like, five minutes. I was like, oh dad dad's rule like i was almost almost forgotten i was sitting there watching the game and just the way she like broke the record was i don't know like i feel like i can't even like put into words to describe like how like elite and badass like the way she did it and it pretty much epitomizes her to me as you know she's grabbed so many fans like she's grabbed me as a fan and i was like man you have this moment, you have, you know, her super fractor auto selling for just out, an outrageous amount and continued sales. I was like, this is like a super fun athlete that we will never forget. And she's got cards. And I just think this is worth a full conversation. And I know you've got energy around her. So I want to know, like, what was your first exposure to her and maybe talk through, like, how your fan, like, what's your fandom look like with her? Like, any of those types of yeah. stories and connection points? Absolutely. I think my my first introduction to Caitlin Clark, like, to really appreciate her was last year going into the tournament. So maybe like a month or t- around this time going into the March Madness uh, Women's Tournament. She's been an interesting sensation for a long time in the Midwest specifically. I'm not going to sit here and say that I knew her since she was in seventh grade and I've been recruiting her or anything like that. But I, I would say going into the tournament last year was a big turning point for me to understand, you know, this is something special. There's something special happening in Iowa. There's something special happening in women's basketball, period. And there's something special happening in women's sports. And that was around last year. And I think... Even since then, she's exploded uh, to an unreal degree, a kind of unfathomable degree. Um, and I think my fascination with her really lies in her talent. It's, it's, it's really what she does on the court that 
you know, magnetizes me to her in some way. And I think that her cards pose as not only a really good collecting excuse, but a really good investment opportunity as well. And a really amazing signal about what's happening in women's sports in general in 2024. And so, um, yeah, as we go into the the tournament this year, I think we're going to see it even more so. So I want to stay on the women's sports topic. It's like, to me, I feel like athletes like Caitlin Clark are taking women's sports to the mainstream conversation, which isn't something that, I don't know, over the last decade has been like a normal thing. Do you feel like, in your opinion, as a female who watches, you know, men's and women's sports, do you feel like women's sports is getting elevated by like the likes of Caitlin Clark and other athletes? Like, is it training in the right direction? 100%. And I think it's exploding. It's, It's exponential at this point. You know, we got to remember that the WNBA was only formed in 1997. It's a young league. Do you know what I mean? The idea of women playing pro basketball is relatively new. It is relatively new. And to have such an athlete now, like Caitlin Clark, who's leading the change during the boom of NIL, it's a special time. It's, it's the perfect storm for collecting. It's the perfect storm for women's sports. And it's, it's, it couldn't be led by a better person. You know, I don't know Caitlin Clark, but I've watched enough videos. I've watched her play enough games. I've watched her do enough video, enough interviews that, uh, you can tell she's, she wants to be at the forefront of women's sports. And she wants to break barriers and she wants to put not only Iowa, but women's basketball on the map. Maybe there's so many new people that are entering like the Caitlin Clark Mm. uh, world and hemisphere. And I'd be curious, like maybe like, how would you describe what she's done over the course of her career at Iowa to someone who's just learning about her, who maybe just saw her break the record. And it's like, wow, this seems important. Like, how would you sum up what she has done and accomplished so far, maybe in comparison with other, you know, collegiate female athletes? Oh, my God. Well, let's not downplay what other female athletes have done. I think that Kaylin Clark is only here because of what other women have paved the way to do. That's really important. But she's better. She's better. There's, I think there's maybe one to two other people you could throw in this conversation, you know, Women's basketball specifically, I'll get into who I think is near that list, but I think Clark is really special. You know, her talent, her charisma, her her skills are so unique. I, I grew up playing basketball and I was not, you know, all that, not even close, but I grew up playing basketball and watching Caitlin Clark is something we haven't seen in women's basketball ever, full stop. It's a new type of breed that's coming out of basketball. We've seen a similar shift in men's basketball, you know, since the birth of the three-point line. And, you know, since Steph Curry entered the league, you know, we're getting smaller, but we're shooting from farther. Bigs are kind of getting an interesting play now. And the same thing is translating women's basketball. And it's so different in women's basketball, right, because women are not as strong as men. So it's harder for them to shoot from farther away. Clark doesn't have that problem. She she pulls up from 35 to 40 feet. It's insane. She broke the record from where, like 30, 35 feet, just nuts. But if you're just getting introduced to her, I think the way to to explain it is one word, which is entertainment. She is an entertainer before she is 
an athlete before she is anything else. She is pure entertainment. You know, we see that with, you know, the accolades that she's accumulated over the years, right? All-time women's basketball scorer, about to be all-time, hopefully, all-time scorer, men's or women's. I think she has 51 points left as of today to uh, pass Pistol Pete, uh, all while averaging 20-ish shots a game, which is insane. You know, Pistol Pete did it with like 44 shots a game. You could go on and on of the stats that she's accumulated. I, I think something that is huge is, you know, this this isn't new. Freshman year, she won the Don Staley Award, which is best guard in the in the country. Uh, did it as a freshman. First time ever that happened. Sophomore year, she is the first D1 player, men's or women's, to record consecutive triple doubles with at least 30 points, which is just nuts to think about. And uh, junior year, obviously this past year, second consecutive Big Ten championship. First Final Four since 93 for Iowa. First ever appearance at the national championship. Breaking so many records, breaking viewership records. You know, I just think her vibe and her entire brand is elevating women's basketball. And if you tune into one game, any game, you can see it immediately. She owns the court. um, And not only is she... You know, the best shooter we've ever seen, dare I say. I don't think that's very much contested anymore, but she's one of the greatest passers of all time. So you combine those two and it's just, she's an assassin on the court. I know like we've got the tournament right around the corner. And for me as a fan of basketball, you stack the men's and the women's tournament and you tell me like, dude, you get to watch one thing. Like I'm picking Iowa, like watching Iowa over anything on both sides. Because it's like, I don't know, it's there are these moments we have as fans where there's one figure or athlete that's so compelling that they literally like captivate the hearts and minds. And like I I feel that in a way with her and her play, especially after watching her break the record. Hmm. Unlike any other like athlete in recent memory that I'm not like cheering for as my team or whatever. So I think yeah, super compelling figure. Uh, you mentioned that you mentioned like those who came before yeah. her. Who are those names that you would put as like in the conversation that are Caitlin yeah. Clark being in the conversation with? I mean, Clark's in the conversation, period. Like at the top, I think right now, even if she continues, I think it's undisputed. I don't think there's any sort of debate, but. I think in terms of the league, so talking about college and the, and the WNBA, names that come to mind all correlate with the schools that they came from, which is really cool that Clark's doing that for Iowa. So the first thing that comes to mind, women's basketball, UConn. That's like the Alabama of college football, right? Like Gino over there is recruiting his ass off and brings in top players every single year. So you have people like Sue Bird, who played for him ended up being, you know, a legend at the Seattle Storm. You have people like Diana Taurasi, played for the Phoenix Mercury. My goat in women's basketball is Diana Taurasi, but that's up for debate. Uh, You got people like Stu, Brianna Stewart, who now plays for the Liberty, who went to UConn, and Maya Moore, who's the local legend here in Minnesota. So that list goes on and on from UConn, and they're all in that discussion. Like, do not think that one of them is not in that. They're producing stars left and right. Uh, I'll call out Paige Beckers 
She's still in college and playing for UConn, also from Minnesota. She She's going to be really good, and uh, I've invested a lot of my money, my card money, into her, so I really hope so. But in addition to that, you've got people like – or schools like South Carolina right now, which is the current dynasty. Kind of think of them like the Patriots almost. They've just got this legendary head coach, Don Staley, who's bringing in superstars to compete – and knock down teams that we think of today as great women's basketball programs like UConn. And they're doing it in an insane fashion. Um, Obviously, last year, Iowa beat South Carolina to go to the championship. So we got questions there. But they're the obvious favorite going into the tournament. And they've produced people like Aaliyah Boston and and Aja Wilson, who are both incredible. Hopefully Aaliyah Boston gets paired up with Clark this upcoming draft. Talk, talk to be, me. Talk you'll to be me. living. <laughs> um, so I think those names are definitely involved. And I do want to call out a couple other ones that are in my top list, which is Candace Parker, legend from Tennessee, who ended up playing for the Sparks, the Sky, and I think the Aces later in her career. Just incredible. Um, if you haven't watched any Candace Parker Get on YouTube right now and watch it. It's incredible. She's she's captivating. And then the person, the only person competing with Caitlin Clark at that level in terms of greatness is Cheryl Miller. You know, Cheryl Miller went to USC. She was arguably the best women's or men's basketball player of all time, but then couldn't play pro because there was no WNBA at the time. Like, to think about that is insane. And to call her one of the greatest when she didn't even play professionally. But she's arguably up there. And she's at the same school that now Juju Watkins is at. 18-year-old freshman, scoring 50 points, six foot two guard. Just like, there's new, there's a new breed of women's basketball players coming out. And they're all coming at the same time in the same wave as Caitlin Clark. And so I would put... All those names and throw in Sabrina Ionescu. I'd throw her in there too as uh, one of the best of all time. What's cool, I, I love it. A great list. Everyone get out your notepads. You got plenty, <laughs> plenty of homework on YouTube to to digest. But I think what's fun, and you, you put the punctuation point at the end, what's fun about the Caitlin Clark thing is you. we just came off the heels of the Steph Curry and Sabrina matchup. We'd ask anybody who watched the, that uh, Saturday night event. Like the only thing that really mattered was that head to head. And I think it's safe to say that Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. And that, Sabrina came like a hair from right there, right there. And it just feels like there's a, a swarm of attention and fandom around the WNBA that I think in, like you mentioned, and when you said it's origin, like, it takes a while. It takes several years. It takes mm-hmm. players to cycle through to continue to build up over time. And it, I just, it just feels like WNBA is becoming a part of the mainstream sports and mainstream conversation. And I am excited for Caitlin Clark to enter because I feel like we might enter kind of rocket ship territory. And I'm just no, hoping 100%. it happens in my city of oh. Indianapolis. Cause we, we, we love basketball over here and we will be big fans and she'll sell a lot of jerseys. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, No kidding. I'm hoping she goes, you know, she's officially as of today, what is it? February 26th. She hasn't declared for the draft and she has one more year of eligibility, but 
I would love to see her in the state of basketball. This is like, is there a situation that she comes back in your mind to Iowa or like, how does that shake out for you? Like, what do you think has to happen? Tournament and impacted by it or what? I mean, let's think about this. She's done everything, right? What more does she have to do? And the answer is a natty. She needs a national championship if she's, if she wants to do it, right? Like, I think if she's coming back, she comes back because she doesn't win this year. She doesn't win, win tournament this year. And she is craving it because she's a competitor, you know? And I think that that is about the only reason uh, that she would come back. I think she needs to be, not that she's not being challenged. She needs to be playing at the highest level. I think that's only fair to her and to fans. So I, I put my money on, she's going number one. She's going to Indiana. She's going to pair up with Boston. It's going to be crazy. They're going to make a run at the national, at, at, at that championship. And, and then the state of Indiana is going to go berserk is what I think is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Keep talking. Do you think Caitlin Clark, you drop her onto the fever with Aaliyah Boston, who like on her own accord, like, had a ridiculous rookie year. She started in the All-Star game as a rookie, which is nuts. Do you think like that immediately makes the Fever, who were getting the number one pick, does that make them a contender right away? Yes. <laughs> that doesn't, even with like the greatest of the greats, like that doesn't happen in the NBA, which I think is fun about the WNBA, that one player can shift the whole tide of the league just by coming in. So you've got me really excited, Gabe. <laughs> You should be. You should be. You're witnessing, you know, like when LeBron came in the league, it's like you're all witnesses, whatever. That's what's happening. Like if you're not paying attention right now, you're missing out. She's going to come and it's going to come hard and you better be there for it because she's just she's a winner. She's a competitor. She's not afraid of anything. I really think she she's got what it takes. All right. So let's talk about our cards. So ah, my favorite part. Uh, yes, we got to talk about the card. So um, maybe give a 101 into like what cards are available. Who for, for people who are listening, who know about her, but have never collected or know anything about mm-hmm. uh, women's basketball cards, like what's available. And then like when she enters the league, like what yeah. will kind of the, the, what are the top products that she'll be in? I think we should start with like a little bit of history of what's available in the past. And then let's how do it. Yes. Now. You know, NIL is huge. So like to understand where, where that changes. So the WNBA started in 97. So that's when the first cards came out was 97, this first wave of cards, 97 to 99. Uh, Fleer was like the main manufacturer who held the rights to WNBA. So you had sets like Pinnacle, Coops, um, and Fleer Ultra, iconic sets, um, known as like the original, the WNBA. Then from 2000 to 2004 ish is this golden age of WNBA collecting. You know, we're three years into the league. We're starting to see superstars born, you know, dynasty starting, cities starting to rally around these women. And you have, uh, Fleer, Skybox, you know, we have Fleer Ultra, Tradition, Heritage, all these different types of cards. Um, think of it kind of as the new era of the WNBA that we look fondly upon. Um, that we, you know, these are the best cards that exist for the WNBA. Then we get to 2005 and Fleer and these companies are having financial struggles. They're not really benefiting from these cards too much and they lose their rights to a company called Rittenhouse. 
So from 2005 to 2018, Rittenhouse is the sole producer of WNBA cards due to the rights. Um, you could think of it sort of like the junk wax era, but, you know, there are still great cards in there and, you know, great players that were produced during that time. And then we get to today, which is the fourth wave of the 2019 to present. Panini takes over the rights to the WNBA. So in 2019, Donruss and Optic are released, you know, flagship products for Panini. Next year, Prism hits for the first time ever in 2020, coinciding with COVID. It's like this boom, right? And then in 2022, other sets like Origins, Revolution start coming out. Now where Caitlin Clark falls is because she's not in the league yet. We have this great new thing called NAL and it allows Bowman University to just skyrocket. Um, so in Bowman, she has a couple, she has last year's, which is 2022 to 2023. And then this year's, she's got Bowman Chrome, Roman Chrome Sapphire, Bowman Inception, and then infamous tops now, which are super cool. And I, uh, I think those are really undervalued in terms of her collectability. She's also got two pre unlicensed, um, college cards. She's got one from her high school, Dowling Catholic, that features, you know, the high school jersey. Not too expensive, probably 50 to 100 bucks, depending on, you know, if you're buying it from someone from Iowa or not. Um, and then a Sports Illustrated card, you know, like the iconic Sports Illustrated, crappy quality, nice little paper out of the magazine. Perforated edges. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like the landscape of women's basketball cards. And because of Bowman's new growing popularity with NIL, Caitlin Clark has so many parallels and things to collect that women in the past never had. The big sale, right, of her Superfractor Auto PWCC Premier Auction, I believe it was in, um, I think it was 78K, uh, sent shockwaves, you know, and that was like big sales of anybody always start mm-hmm. conversations. And I felt like, there was a lot of conversations around that card. Like when you saw that, what was going on in your head? And I guess like a sale like that, like what's the significance? Like what does that mean for maybe her cards in the future? And does that like a sale like that help elevate women's basketball cards in the future? 100%. I think the first thing I saw when I saw that sale was I wish I had (laughs) $78,000 like right now because I would buy that card. That is like one of the coolest cards of all time. But I think seeing that sale made things really real, right? Like women's sports have always kind of just been in the backseat behind men's sports, just how it is. But seeing a sale, you know, of the Superfractor one of one auto sell for 78K and just, I think it was like five months prior, the Wemby equivalent, right? That, that similar card from the same product only sold for $67,000. I thought to myself, 78,000. That's kind of a lot of money, but that kind of seems like a good deal. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think Wemby and her are really good points, data points to compare against each other just because of their sensation and they're just these new hot players who, you know, are doing things we've never seen before. And I thought to myself, 78, 78K, I think, I think that's a good deal. I, I think I would have also bought it if I had that kind of money because of her. Her popularity, right? Like when you compare her to Wemby, who is a Frenchman, right? Clark has done it in her backyard, right? And cultivated this since she was super young and has delivered so much success to the state of Iowa. So I think 78K, 
is a great sale for women's basketball for Caitlin Clark cards. And I think it's probably worth more now because she broke the record after that sale. So mm. I, I think it's a good indication of a healthy market. I think the, it's it's serving as a correction almost, not a correction downward like we saw after COVID, but a correction upwards, you know, kind of, you know, making it real that women's basketball cards and women's cards in general are worth a shit ton of money. We still I- a lot of money. I, uh, I'm over here because I did another, I had another conversation earlier today where I was digging into this data, but I'm in card letter now. And what I was interested in was, let's see here, that sale was on January 25th. So I'm just like messing around right now. So January and today's the 26th. So doing some filtering, um, cause I was curious, I was like, and I'm going to pull this up for us to look at. Um, let's see, present. I feel like I'm in class right now. <laughs> um, share screen, share. This makes for a great um, podcast content here. Here we go. So this is filtered and like you can see it, this, it wasn't just this card. Like she has Bowman University Superfractor, one of one that sold for 16.5, February 22nd. She's had a $5,200 card. She's had a thirty $3,600 card. I mean, 33. And there's like multiple, like mm-hmm. $1,000. So it's like everyone wants to focus in on that card, but there has been a lot of other sales around her stuff, which I think makes for, um, it's fun to look at. And I'm very interested. I'm looking at cards in a segment I've never looked at before, all just because of one player. And it makes me think about, if she's in prison, like how many people are going to be ripping prison boxes, hoping they get a gold or a oh, black sure. uh, one of one. And I think that's super fun to think about. Absolutely. I mean, these sales are just an indication that this isn't an isolated event. This is, this is a phenomenon that's, you know, not only taking sports, the sports world, but also the card collecting world by storm. So I think this is, this is a really great for women's cards in general to just start to climb and, get a lot of recognition. I think we we tend to forget other sales. I had one that I, I looked up before we did this episode, which was the most expensive women's card, women's sports card of all time, which is the greatest of all time, period, Serena Williams, who mm-hmm. sold, her card sold during the COVID boom, of course, in 2022 for over $220,000. Yes, I, I remember that. That's... Uh... Yeah, I remember that sale of that car happening. And I, I think it's been a tragedy ever since. I haven't right. looked at it. I mean, Caitlin Clark, like, I'm, she's got some work to do to be in that right. Serena conference. But I, it's fun to start she's following. Getting She's getting there. Like, there's a lot of momentum. I know you have, like, dipped your toe in the Caitlin Clark collecting universe. Mm-hmm. What has been your approach and how have you navigated so far? And do you have cards, like, Maybe talk about that. Yeah, I do have cards, Caitlin Clark. Thank God, I have quite a few now. Congratulations! Kind of <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, I've been accumulating them over the past uh, couple months. I would say I wish I would have bought them way earlier, but um, unfortunately, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I think when I'm looking at collecting Caitlin Clark, it's important to put the Iowa lens on, right? Which is that the state of Iowa has no core uh, professional sports teams. They have no WNBA team. 
And uh, the University of Iowa is like pumping through the Iowa residents' veins every day. It's it's the defining factor, right? We can talk about Iowa State a different day. You know, Tyrese Halliburton, those guys. Brock, Brock Purdy. I mean, but Iowa's I, got it going on right now. But we got to talk about the big thing that's sweeping Iowa, which is Caitlin Clark, right? Yeah. So I think that we got to remember that as her cards come out in the WNBA eventually, that Iowa people and Iowa fans are still going to want Iowa, you know, uniforms and Iowa cards. So they're going to, I truly believe they're going to hold their value better than other like college prospects and college players. So I've been buying them and not really feeling hesitant about the fact that she's wearing a college uniform. Um, I think being realistic, obviously, rookie cards rule our, our world, right? Like that is the pillar of collecting players, getting their rookie card. But, uh, I've been collecting her first and second year Bowman primarily. I've got one auto of hers, which is the case hit from this year. I've got one PSA 10 pink, just because I like the color pink and it just fits nicely. And then I'm working on a couple color, hopefully a rainbow, not the full thing. That'd be impossible. But, you know, a nice little rainbow of Bowman chrome colors. And my favorite one at, the, at right now is the uh, image variation from this year which in the background you can see University of Minnesota player, which is where I went to school. So I just needed to buy that immediately. Just a little personal touch to the card of her probably beating us like badly. <laughs> she she beats most teams. So right. uh, don't take it. Don't take it personal. Um, <laughs> so maybe let's close it out by, I don't know, like this is like the big getting deep with it, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. Do you think that Caitlin Clark has the ability just herself to, because there's been like, we've talked about, there's been so many wonderful uh, women's basketball players and going WNBA is not translated to like WNBA and prism cards being a part of like the main like mm-hmm. conversation. Do you think Caitlin Clark has the ability just when she goes into prism and can that her alone, can she elevate women's basketball cards or by yourself or like what's the future what does the future hold yeah I mean I think simply put yes I think she has the capability she has to continue to be outstanding she's never going to get a breath of fresh air in terms of just like any excuses any of that she's gonna have to continue going at this absurd rate you know it's it's gonna have to be sustainable and I hope she does but I think it's important to remember like you said you know Caitlin Clark isn't the beginning she's not the end but she is everything right now, right? She is the one. So, you know, she's broken records. She's done all these things and she's redefining landscape of women's basketball in general. And I think that, you know, engaging new audiences, bringing cards and bringing basketball to people who have never once tuned in to a women's basketball game is not something that should be understated. I think, uh, you know, all the statistics they throw out, like, Last year, uh, March Madness tickets were three times more expensive for the women's tournament than the men's. That's real data right there to show you people are paying attention. And that's going to translate over into our world, into collecting. And it's coming fast. And it's going to happen. And I I don't think people should underestimate her capability and her talent because she's only 22. And she's already doing this, right? She hasn't even won a national championship yet. And we're talking about her in the greatest conversation, right? That's insane. That's not normal behavior and normal talent. 
So I think, you know, she's going to bring media, press, attention, money. She's going to bring everything to that WNBA and they need it. And I, I think it's coming at a perfect time with people like Aaliyah Boston being ready for her to join the team, right? It's just a perfect storm for all the collecting and, and women's sports in general. This was just an amazing conversation. You can follow her at Cold Lunch Cards, Caitlin. Maybe we do this again after she wins the tournament or after she gets number one. There'll be plenty of milestones and moments along the way. Really appreciate you coming on to talk all things Caitlin Clark. That was a ton of fun. I love talking with passionate collectors like Caitlin and getting educated on the Caitlin Clark of it all. I got to be honest with you. I am so on board with her. I need her to come play here in Indiana. I need to see it. And maybe I need to pick up a card or two. Maybe you're doing that after this episode. I don't know. But you take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. Join that group. We'll talk to you soon. 